Welcome to this week's edition of Poet Kind Podcast. Today we're going to be talking with poet Amy Orazio for our first Poet Talk of Season 2. I'm excited to introduce her to all of you. Amy received her MFA in Creative Writing at Otis College of Art and Design, and her work has appeared in Curator Magazine, Chaparral Poetry, Timber Journal, and more. Her first full collection of poetry, Quench, debuted last year, and you'll hear her share more about that in just a few moments. For now, let's welcome Amy to PoetKind. We're going to welcome Amy Orazio to uh, PoetKind Podcast right now. Welcome, Amy. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I am absolutely delighted to have you on. Um, I have followed you for a little bit, and what I know of your work, I just absolutely love it. Wow. And I love a lot of the things that you do, so. Well, thank you. That's an I, honor. I love what you do. I'm so excited to have stumbled across this community that you're building. I'm really, I've been looking for this, so I love what you do as well. <laughs> that is great to hear because it it seems like, it's a hard community to find. It really, uh, you know, creative searching for a way to connect uh, with a spiritual foundation. Mm-hmm. It's it's awkward and difficult sometimes. It is, and I've had so many, too many conversations probably where I introduce myself as a poet and get kind of crickets on the other side. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I found that from anywhere from family conversations to. <laughs> You know, so what do you do? You know, that's what everybody asks. What do you do? Right. Well, it used to be, uh, I'm an artist. I'm a painter. Oh, right. (laughs) Right. So now it's like, you know, okay, well, I know you're a painter, but what else do you do? I'm a poet. (laughs) You're asking for it. (laughs) It's a double whammy. So yeah, no, I am so glad you found us here and, and I look forward to welcoming you into the community and mm-hmm. becoming a part of the community. So mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I read your bio and you said you're from the uncool part of Portland. How is that even possible? <laughs> it's so possible, Susan. Um, so there is, you know, an urban core of Portland that is really uh, tantalizing in that I, I, I love, I adore it. And then just like any city, you know, you have your cheaper, the cheaper parts to live. And um, so we live in the cheaper part of town and it's not cool. There isn't, I don't, I don't live on a street with like a, you know, artisanal food or fancy coffee or anything like that. It's on the very, very, I live on the very, very Eastern edge of the city bordering another little area called Gresham. And so I really enjoy this part of town, um, not only because it's affordable, but because uh, there's greater diversity out here. Um, there's a lot of refugees that land out here, which I really love. Um, and I'm near my in-laws and they watch my kids. So, <laughs> and it's quiet, but we do, we, That's go, we go into Portland for, you know, church and seeing friends and into the cooler parts of Portland. And we pretend like, you know, we're very urban and awesome when we do that. Well, I'm sure you're very awesome. So <laughs> I don't, I don't think that that's a problem. Um, you obviously are a poet. That's what uh, first connected me with you, mm-hmm. but tell me a little bit about your journey into coming to where you are with us now. Well, I think I have, I think, I mean, probably most poets feel like their journey is a little bit unconventional because it's an unconventional choice to make to identify yourself 
primarily as a poet. Um, but for me, I, I, I took a few turns in different directions before I landed here. Um, and I think something to note is that I grew up in a blue collar household. So it wasn't like my mother studied at Juilliard and my dad was a professor or anything like that. Uh, but my, my family was very creative by nature and they're just kind of free spirited and um, encouraging. And so I think that helped, um, yeah, build a foundation of creativity for me and uh, of taking risks a little bit. Um, but after high school, I always loved writing. Uh, but then after high school, I went to Bible college and I was like, I would not be deterred from that mission. I was just so excited to to really dive into who God was and to really explore the Bible. I kind of was just really hungry for the depth of God that I wasn't experiencing in Sunday church. <laughs> so I I thought, well, if I can get a degree, I really enjoyed school. So I was like, if I can get a degree and seem somewhat like a legit citizen while I'm learning more about um, the depths of God and scripture and ancient texts, then I'm going to go for it. So, so I went to Bible college actually for my undergraduate degree. And um, I really loved that process. I actually went at a time when um, I had a really cool creative arts teacher at Bible college. Like you don't really think of that as a really like a creativity breeding ground. You more like when I thought of Bible college, I thought of podiums and preachers and like women with sure. hair oh, yeah. <laughs> but I just went at a, at a very fun time in I guess my college's history where I was connected with one woman who taught me about intercessory prayer which I was really interested in like the mystics you know and I think sure. you know, probably a lot of poets could probably share that if they mm-hmm. practice faith that they're interested in the mystical parts of their faith and so I was studying mystics and learning about intercessory prayer and then you know I also had this this really cool creative arts um kind of mentor who was just nudging me on the side even though it wasn't part of my bible college curriculum like you're a good writer what about poetry she started a little poetry group there which is a little countercultural again but um I've count myself fortunate that I happened to go to Bible college at that time and can kind of see along my path where I was, you know, elbowed to, to keep uh, investing in that part of myself. So you're fortunate. The the right people came alongside you at the, just the right time. Exactly. Exactly. And I know everybody doesn't, doesn't, um, you know, share that in their journey, but so I, I see the gift in that for sure. Yeah. Um, so after that I went to social work, because, which is also a little bit of a leap from um, pastoral studies, which is the degree I graduated with. But when I was in Bible college, I just learned, you know, God really cares about the vulnerable. So I wanted to learn more about that part of of God and how I could help. And so I went into social work, again, thinking I can both pursue this, helping people what I wanted to do and, you know, make a little, a little, little, little bit of money. Obviously, chosen occupations or uh, my path out of uh, so far, so far out of, um, you know, financial success hasn't been like the main sparkly thing at the end of my path that I'm looking towards. But well, it's not necessarily the big sparkly thing you need anyway, right? Right, right. You're following, you're following a calling and you're following your heart. So, right. Um, So I went to social work and, um, enjoyed it, but kind of reached a cross section in that, um, space where I realized, okay, I, 
in order to go further in this career, I need to get my master's degree. But I really feel like I need to be doing something more creative. And it just so happened. It's just, again, one of those um, seasons in life where um, things kind of lined up all in the right direction for me, I guess, right place, right time, (laughs) where we were studying the effects of trauma and addiction in adolescence. And so that's the specific kind of trauma or social work I was doing. And we lost our grant, which seemed unfortunate at the time, but I was given the opportunity to, to either find another place within the agency I was working for or um, be let go and receive a little bit of unemployment while I kind of gathered myself and figured out my next step. So I chose, I chose that option. And cause I okay. had it in the back of my head, like, I think I want to go to grad school and pursue, pursue, um, writing because I was still writing on the side you know I was still keeping a journal and going to the library and reading poetry and trying to nurture that part of myself I just wasn't ever sure um how how it would lead to anything other than like a side hobby so so yeah from there I I applied um for grad school I was as shocked as I could have been that I got in because I didn't have formal training in writing um but I got into grad school and saw that as my next nudge towards um, really nurturing that part of myself and giving it a serious go. So that's what I, that's, I went to grad school. I got my MFA um, at Otis College of Art and Design in Los Angeles. And from there, I felt more and more comfortable as, you know, identifying myself as a writer. (laughs) So that's great though. Yeah. 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 Well, you certainly come from a very um, diverse background coming into writing poetry mm-hmm. but it's rich mm. it's rich because it has fed what you do mm. and um I, I think so often our paths are led that way in order to make us better at what he's preparing us for yeah and um it's just really exciting to see how he works through you all along the way mm. and put the right people in your path yeah Yeah, I agree. I really do, Susan. I stand back and I'm, you know, I'm thankful. I see. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's on one hand, I've definitely had my moments of like, oh, I wish I would have done this earlier. You know, I'm in my mid thirties now and I'm a mom of two toddlers and finding the time to write is just ridiculous. Um, So I wish that I would have gone to grad school right away or maybe gotten my undergraduate degree in literature because <laughs> um, I sometimes feel <laughs> that feeling of like oh, I'm so far behind but um, I love that perspective that you you brought up of like all of that has added to your work it didn't take away right well be encouraged because I didn't I really I did not start writing poetry until I w- was 52 mm-hmm. And because it was not on my trajectory mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I had written as well, but I was going a totally different direction. I wanted to be writing academically and mm. uh, talking about art because that's my background and doing things like that. And boy, when God decides to make something clear that that's not what you're going to be doing, <laughs> he lets you know. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So yeah, you're, you're not late to the game. You are right where you're supposed to be. Thank you. That's good to hear. (laughs) Um, You have, well, like I said, you have a diverse background and I'm going to bring up something and I warned you ahead of time that I was going to ask you about this, but because I am a visual artist first, Mm -hmm. um, 
I get excited when I see people who are doing multiple media creative explorations. Mm -hmm. So you have posted some of your painting Mm -hmm. on Instagram. And when I saw that, I was like, she paints. (laughs) (laughs) I have to talk to her now. I am so excited. What brought you to painting and how does that feed or fuel your writing? Is it connected? Does it you know, does it open something for you that, how does that work for you? You know, it's funny. I was just, um, DMing a, a, a painter that I, I heard, uh, and I'll plug another podcast cause your, um, listeners might be interested. It's called oh, fantastic. Makers and Mystics. Have you ever heard it? I have, I have. I just discovered it. And I'm again, I'm like, wow, all the, I was really truly looking for community, um, with, with artists that had a kind of a faith perspective. And so I found you and then I, I just discovered makers and mystics. And one of the first episodes, oh, they're wonderful. Yeah. Um, was a po- was a painter, sorry. And, but the way she talked about her art really resonated with how I feel about writing. And so anyway, I was messaging her and, and mentioning, you know, how much her interview meant to me and, um, and she was like, oh, you paint. I, she looked at my feed and she said, oh, I see you're painting. And I was, I was embarrassed because I forgot that I had painted that. And when I'm talking to a serious painter and maybe fearless about writers as well, if they just kind of write on the side and then they start talking to their, you know, writing to someone who's perceived as a serious writer, they're like, no, don't actually look at it. But <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. That's true. Anyway, um, I will answer your question. That was, was a little side trail. But, um, you know, again, co- going back to the household I grew up in, uh, I, that I feel fostered a lot of creativity because my parents didn't mind the art supplies being out on the kitchen table for a while. Um, my sisters are I, really gifted painters, and they actually painted my book cover. And mm, so I beautiful, by the way. Thank you. I love it. They really captured what uh, I feel the spirit of the book in, in that painting. Um, so I guess keeping company with, with artists and painters, um, to me has just felt like a natural kind of overflow of like, oh, um, if I want to open up this gate of creativity, like painting is, is an option. Again, I've never have, I, I've never identified it as my main, um, creative outlet, but I do find that, like I said, it opens up a gate of creativity for me that can kind of hum along with poetry. So um, maybe, especially like, I think abstract painting um, Mm -hmm. shares a a lot of uh, characteristics of poetry because it's forcing yourself to kind of unplug your brain a little bit and go with your gut I think and just move move along and not think too hard about what you're doing and then from there stand back and assess what you made and and then you kind of you know uh access your brain to edit and you know add more strokes of color on the left and kind of see where it's balanced um but I honestly I was posting about painting on Instagram to motivate myself and have accountability because I I think painting is a harder medium to pursue when you have small children and a lot going on just because you have to pull out all the materials (laughs) and clean up afterwards so I it's kind of all stuffed into my garage right now my painting stuff so I was I was posting about it to say hey I think this could even uh improve who I am as a writer if I can pursue these other creative mediums that mean something to me so yeah thanks for bringing that up (laughs) 
Yeah, well, I'm excited to see where you go with it um, because there's there's all kinds of um, all kinds of ways to use it together. And I don't know if you're familiar with ekphrasis at all. No, but I'm, I'm starting to explore that a little bit more. And it's it's where there is image mm-hmm. and then word, responsive word, or the other way around, the image responds to the word. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there's books and. Uh, exhibitions that you can see and it's just really an interesting fusion of the two so I'm excited to see where you go with it you You mentioned your book which makes a perfectly natural segue into the fact that you have a beautiful book out called Mm -hmm. quench Mm -hmm. and I'd I'd like you to speak to that a little bit Mm -hmm. and also tell us where we can find it and Mm -hmm. your inspiration behind getting this out there Thank you. Um, yeah, the book is available on Amazon and on my website, amyrazio.com. Um, my press is selling it on Amazon. So um, I love that that's, it makes it easily, easily, easily available for anybody that has Amazon Prime, which I think is most of the sure. I think most people do. And <laughs> yeah. if they don't, they know somebody. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I wrote the book after graduating from um, grad school, I it was required as part of our graduation that we come up with a loose sort of manuscript. So I had the bones of it. Okay. And um, had an opportunity after grad school to, um, I was just an adjunct faculty member. I wasn't working full time. Um, and so I had a little bit more time at that point to uh, rehaul it, edit it, add more pieces to it. And the, that book has taken on many forms. I've had to kind of rehaul it a couple of times. And I don't know if that's, I would love to, again, I'm so excited to talk to other, other writers. Um, but um, that, you know, are connected to your podcast. So this is a little mm-hmm. side plug, reach out to me. <laughs> DM me. I would talk. But because I'm fascinated, which is why, you know, I was excited to find your podcast. I'm fascinated by other writers processes. But for me, this book had to take on many forms. I had to edit it over and over again. I had to pull pieces and add more pieces. And mm-hmm. probably the main struggle that I found was just keeping the book on theme. So, you know, okay. Yeah, that took a certain kind of discipline because for so long I just wrote poems about whatever. I was just excited to complete a poem that was about just any old subject in the world. <laughs> so sure, sure. Yeah. So writing with some I don't know consistency and along a certain theme or thread. Um, was that's a, a, that's a challenge, right? To come up with enough that's a collection was a, was a challenge for me, but. Um, I was happy to complete it and I actually, I submitted it. So I, I moved to Portland and was just writing freelance and kind of working on my manuscript on the side and got pregnant for the first time. And, um, and then that, that would like kind of lit a fire under me. And so I, to, to finish it. And so I submitted it to a couple of presses and, um, received, uh, acceptance right before my son was born and I didn't think that hard about it (laughs) just like I think it was just internal uh instinct knowing like okay my time for this is getting is getting more and more pressed and so I I signed the contract and I'm happy I did okay yeah Yeah. well (laughs) you know deadlines of all sorts Mm -hmm. do things to creatives (laughs) you suddenly get a little extra energy so Mm -hmm. but that sounds like it was just perfect timing Mm -hmm. Now I'm, I'm, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, you know, again, um, in some ways it seemed like the worst timing because after I signed the contract, then I had to do a little bit more revision around the book and I had to actually add more pieces to, to the book. Okay. Um, it wasn't long enough for the press. And so, um, having to do that with a new baby. And then I had another baby 15 months later. <laughs> oh, wow. And, um, right after my second baby was born, the book was like officially printed. And then, so now having to put it out and put the book out in the world with two very young toddlers that are very close in age has felt like, wow, this is interesting timing. I'll say that, say that much, but I also think it has motivated me to stay sharp in the area of, you know, being a writer and staying connected to writers, keeping that part of myself alive because I have this book in the world that I need to kind of, um, I need to hold its hand a little bit. Uh, yeah. The press aside, you know, side note. And again, I, all the nitty gritty things are interesting to me. So I don't want to provide too many details that are interesting, but the press. Well, that... I think people like to hear what, you know, we have some new writers and we okay. have some seasoned writers, but okay. The process is always, always welcome. Okay. Okay, good. Because I'm always curious, like, okay, how does that work getting a book published, <laughs> especially before I actually went through the process? I, it just felt like a huge mystery to me. But um, the press that published my book part, they are able to, to stay afloat um, because they kind of have this um, agreement with their writers that they choose that they don't do, they can't invest any money or time into press or booking readings for you or getting your book reviewed or really pushing it into the world. So that's part of the contract that you sign um, is, is that you're responsible for that, that part of, okay. of the publishing. So that's um, also worth noting where I'm super motivated to, <laughs> um, to, to get put, it seen and read and yeah. 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 And the more it's, the more that, you know, the more that I sell the press again, they're selling the book, but I am responsible for like pointing people towards the book. Right. Um, okay. They, they'll reprint the book. if like they get their, the book sales they're looking for. So it's kind of interesting because a lot of small presses are super indie and like um, motivated just by purely by artistic integrity. And this press is as well. I know they have a certain aesthetic with the kind of books that they publish, but they are also, I appreciate that they're, they seem a little more pragmatic than other presses I've okay. encountered. So <laughs> I appreciate that though, because, you know, because they're able to exist, I was able to get a book in the world. So. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, th I think your experience is, um, relatively indicative of a lot of what happens with writers these days, whether they're poets or fiction or nonfiction. Um, they're having to work a little harder. They have to build platforms and they have to, you know, do launch teams and all these things. And uh, it's a, it's a lot of work. And so to, to get to where you are um, is exciting. Mm. And then to know that, you have to, you have to maintain a relationship with your writing in order to help it grow. Mm -hmm. It's almost like another child for you. Exactly. And just keep it, you know, keep it nourished and keep it in, you know, upright and keep mm -hmm. it going. And, um, you know, I just, I, hopefully I'll spread the word again. The name is Quench, mm -hmm. uh, by the wonderful Amy Orazio. Order it, order it. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> so, um, I am hoping uh, one of my favorite things to do on Poet Kind is to have a poet 
read their own words. Mm -hmm. Would you be willing to share a piece or two with us? Absolutely. Sure. I'd love to. Why don't I read? And they can be from your book or from any of your other uh, publications. And Okay. Um, why don't I read this poem called Dark and Not Completely Dark? And it's worth notice- noting it was it's in my book, but it also was published graciously by Curator Magazine. There, I okay. think your um, listeners might be interested in, in that as well. Um, dark and Not Completely Dark. If we could hear the voice, would it matter? or know the naming of the names, gather tight then unfurled like snow between pines, hear ground, hear fowl, hear fish, and hear vault with a sky, brooding it's enough to watch the clouds clap and boil to see the skin of the river wrinkle or the feathers on the wrens lift and fall, to hear the whir of the wind chase after days ice cold and stealing branches, to eat oranges for breakfast and rub sagebrush into ashes or resin between palms. Sticky the root of the berry bush is a murmur, under soil formed then reformed, to know or dig after the sound is something, but to feel the spirit hovering before calling like light is the bell is the light. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. you. That one was a fun one to write. I wrote it on the Columbia River. So oh, how I... cool is that to know the background? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Much. Well, when you talked about the skin of the water wrinkling, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that was so evocative. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think we're going to um, start to wrap it up. Would mm-hmm. you be willing to share your... Um, social media contacts because I know you want people to connect with you and I know you're on Instagram and Twitter and uh, you've mentioned your website, but we'll, you know, feel free to share anything, any place where you want folks to reach out and get you. And then um, I'll also, um, I'll make sure to underline that or underscore that uh, once the episode is finished. Wonderful. Yes. Find me. Um, I'm on Instagram and my handle is at Amy Orazio. And the same with, with Twitter and Facebook. Luckily, my name is unusual enough that I don't have to add any underscores or anything like that. Hey, you can't and, do um, that. And my, my website is the same. It's amyarazio.com. All right. Well, thank you, Amy. This has been an absolute delight. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to know you better as time goes on. Um, I hope that a, a community starts to well up underneath what you want to have happen. And, um, that maybe we can all grow together. I love that. Let's do it. Let's all grow together. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Amy. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. One more big thank you to Amy for spending some time with us today. Please find Amy on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Amy Orazio, A-M-Y-O-R-A-Z-I-O, where you'll find more about her work and visit her website to order her book, which can also be found on Amazon. Just search for Quench by Amy Orazio. That's it for Poet Kind Podcast today. If you listened last season, you know we support being generative in the world. Being generative isn't just a creative call. It is a call to live in a way that builds good and beauty into the world, that breathes life into dreams, 
into abilities, and more importantly, into each other. I believe in being generative wholeheartedly and encourage you to bring those gifts that you have been given to the table. Get your work out there. You don't have to be famous or wealthy or anything other than someone who has a gift to share. I encourage you to take that next step in your journey. Write, paint, build, sculpt, speak, create, do whatever it is that makes you feel alive and share it with us. I've mentioned that I use the hashtag create the life you long for now, which comes from a realization that every day I wasn't doing what filled me up. Whether it was painting, writing, caring for my grandbabies, it meant I was moving away from the life I wanted, not towards it. Consider using Create the Life You Long For Now when you post what it is you're doing to bring your unique gifts to the world, and we can all follow along. And more importantly, encourage each other. Poetkind will always have poetry, but once in a while it's good to explore other forms of creativity and discover we can compare notes with other creatives without comparing ourselves. We can learn from each other and we can grow. If you like what you hear here at Poetkind, please take a moment to leave a review and comment on your preferred listening platform. When you let others know you like what we're doing, it helps us get seen and ultimately heard. We need your reviews to keep us growing and to keep us going. We also want to hear from you. Find Poetkind on Instagram and Twitter. That's Poetkind Podcast, all one word. Join in the conversation, message us, and you can also connect with us via email at poetkindpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your ideas, your thoughts, recommendations for guests, your poetry, anything that you do, share it with us. We want to provide more of what you want to hear. So until next time, be generative, create the life you long for now, and enjoy the rest of your day.